0: Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox podcast with Tanny and Herb. Tanny and
1: Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. My name is Herb Lawrence. You can follow me on Twitter, ecknerwell 23 there, and Chris Tanhill at Chris Tanhill on Twitter. The show is at Locked On Sox on Twitter, Instagram, and on YouTube. And we have another way for you to reach us our Locked On socks listeners. But with no further ado, here is Chris Tannehill.
2: Oh, yes, we do. We've got another way for you guys to communicate with us. Isn't that what you've been wanting? Because we're so inaccessible. We read almost every email and we interact with you guys on social media. But why not have another way to interact with us? So That's right. We've launched, starting today, the Locked On Sox voicemail. Okay? So if you want to have your emails read on the show, uh, maybe you want to put your voice out there and you have a little personality to what you're writing about and you don't want to hear me s- sputter and stammer through through reading emails, you can send a voicemail with your thoughts to this number, 312-566-8727. All right, that's 312 566 Two seven is how More you can fancy three one two. Yeah, that's right. Old school, taking it back. Um, so if you can't remember that, it's easy. Just remember. Harold Baines, AJ Prusinski, Mark Burley, George Orta, Bo Jackson, Carlton Fisk, and Tim Anderson. Just remember that. It's easy. It's so easy. How could you forget That's- it? <laughs> you should sing a song about it. Yeah. We're, we're working on that. Maybe we'll have Spiegel help us out with that. Uh, but we are brought to you today by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use our promo code LOCKEDON20, and you'll get 20% off your next order. I think I'll do that myself. My bill bar should be arriving on Wednesday. But yeah, the the voicemail should be a fun thing. I'm looking forward to hearing some some voices and personalities behind the emails. Maybe Uncle Pete can weigh in on there and he can say the things that I'm scared to say when I read his emails, but it should be fun. I'm looking forward to interacting a little bit more maybe even during the season during a a, a tough loss or an exciting win, you can drop your mm-hmm. messages on there and you can have them played that night on the show.
1: Yeah, that'll be awesome. You know, you hear yourself on the, your own words just say it out there with the passion we might not capture your passion when you do uh, send your email in. you know we can't catch sarcasm sometimes we can't catch if you are yelling at this or you're just you know being a uh, facetious sometimes so just use that number 312-566-8727 and you'll be very very satisfied if your voice is on this uh, this very here program Cause I like hearing my voice on this program and I'd like <laughs> to hear yours. it will be a little bit better than
2: mine. All right. Absolutely. So let's move on here on today's episode. We're going to go over the weekend that was in, in, in uh, camelback in Arizona with the Sox and spring training. We'll open up the mailbag a little bit and we'll hear Steve Stone had some uh, lofty comps for the white Sox uh, bullpen this year. So let's get into it here over the weekend. You know, it's been so long. I have not been able to do this on Saturday. The White Sox won, Herbie. Let's fire up Bill Walden for the first time in ever. Oh. 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 Come, Come on. on. Line up the parade, Michigan Avenue on the Studs Turtle Bridge, Division Street. Let's go. That's right. Uh. Uh, it took a while for old Bill to get going there. It's like starting your car for the first time in a while or starting your car in the middle of winter. Uh, but yeah, the Sox did win on Saturday. They beat. Cleveland 7 nothing. a big win, big day for Yermin, uh, two RBIs uh, on his double late in the game. Uh, What's his name? Yermin Mathedis. Uh, <laughs> he, had a, he had a big double, and he's looking real good. We'll get to him in a second. But the story of the day, I think, was uh, Ronaldo Lopez on Saturday. Uh, pitched two innings. One strikeout, nothing across, no runs given up, but he looked really good. This game was not televised. Um, I did not get a chance to see if it was on YouTube. Today's uh, Sunday's game was on YouTube. I did watch that. But Lucas Giolito said this about Ronaldo before the game, before he even went out there. This is from Daryl Van Scowen. It said this, I watched Lope's first bullpen in camp, and I was like, oh, my God, your arm action. You cleaned it up. Your curveball is back. The curveball he had back with the Washington Nationals. There it is. Okay, so... Giolito, given the co sign that, you know, we talked about Ethan Katz when he was on the score after he got hired. He was asked about guys that he was looking forward to working with mostly, and he said one was Dylan Cease and the other one was Ronaldo Lopez. So, Ronaldo Lopez, with a strong showing here in his first outing. Of the season, so the the reviews early on Ronaldo Lopez really, really, really outstanding, and he went out and showed it on Saturday, which uh, brings to mind this question: Have we been overlooking Ronaldo a little bit here in the early going? We haven't mentioned much of him, and it's partly because he hasn't taken the mound yet. But as far as the fifth starter, who do you get the edge to? Who, how do you handicap this thing playing out? Uh, we haven't seen Rodon yet, and it sounds like he's not going to go until Wednesday of this week. Um, but just to, how do you handicap this thing playing out, Herb? Would you see it maybe Ronaldo Lopez getting that fifth spot, or will it be uh, the the incumbent Carlos Rodon getting that fifth spot in the rotation?
1: I would say that Rodon has the advantage in that regard because of I'm um, not sure exactly how many options that Lopez has for going back down to the minors or the alternate site, but I know pretty pretty well that. Charles Rodon shouldn't have any leftover unless he just accepts it out of out of pocket. Like, did he sign? Uh, he signed a major league contract, so he's not going to be sent back down. He, I, I think, he has to be DFA'd in that regard. There's no spot for either of those guys to be in this bullpen. We're already chock full of players that are really good in the bullpen, so it's fit starter or alternate site for one of these guys. And I, I could be wrong on this. I think that. You would rather have Rodon be the fifth starter. The 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 handedness would give him an advantage. His success in the major leagues, when he is uh, healthy, also gives him an advantage. And I think if Lucas is seeing that Lopez's curveball is back, there's nothing wrong with refining it down in Schaumburg for a month, going to Triple A and dominating down there, getting the confidence needed to come up here, and maybe he's the guy they select over Kopech, who is already going to be in the bullpen. So I see that Rodon would be my choice to start the season just based off the information that I think I know about the uh, contract that he signed and that Lopez has options left.
2: Yeah, I think that's a good point, but I think it's going to come down to a a, a one-on-one competition, I think, with these two guys. And I think they're going to go for the best man for the job. I think Tony the Russa is going to have a large – Uh, input on this situation, and me selfishly, I want it to be Ronaldo because I can bring back uh, the most celebrated uh, meme of White Sox Twitter uh, pre-2020, and that's, of course, is uh is the Scarface meme whenever Ronaldo goes out there and deals, which is few and far between, but I'll post the uh, the the meme of Frank Lopez uh, from Scarface and uh, this clip from the 1983 classic film uh, Scarface. Hey
1: Mel, well, guess what?
0: My little team, the Little Lopezers, they won the division tonight. Yeah, that's great. Congratulations. <laughs>
2: What are you to the, uh, the dueling uh, Frank Lo- uh, Robert Loja, and uh, and Al Pacino with the dueling bad uh, oh, Latin Jesus. Latin American accents there, <laughs> but you know you'll see it. There's it's a very small subsect of people that enjoy the Ronaldo Lopez meme. The little Lopezers is what we coined them back in 2018, uh, but I'm hoping to post that uh, more frequently in 2021. So if, if I had to have I'm not I don't like to play favorites here on the show, but I I love. All the stuff that I've been uh, hearing and seeing from Ronaldo Lopez so far in the Cactus League. So, uh, Sox now are one and four because they did lose on Sunday. They lost to the Rockies, uh, one nothing. What a what an exciting mm-hmm. one and nothing, seven inning thriller uh, there in Glendale. Um, Yermin looked pretty good behind the plate. He caught Lucas Gilito, who we'll get to in a second. But Yermin has just been – he's been killing it, man. Like, he's going out there, and he's trying to win this backup catcher job. And Lucas said before the game he's really trying to work with everyone, uh, all, the, all the backup catchers, Yermin. Luke Croix, Zach Collins, because he said that's going to be a big X factor. Because you have to, it's weird, you have to establish relationships with all three of them, uh, just, you know, because you never know who the backup's going to be. He said he, he plans on throwing to Yaz uh, quite a bit, but he wanted to establish a rapport with these guys. And there was a funny moment early in the game when uh, when Yermeen actually threw out a base runner at, at second, and there was a little bit of a communique or lack thereof with Giolito and Yermeen, where, you know, Giolito tried to give Yermin the old finger guns treatment, like, hey, you know, take it easy there, champ. Like, you know, because he threw out the runner, but Yermin just was not looking at him. So he just kind of left Lucas out to dry there. Uh, but it was pretty funny. But Yermin is going out there, man, and and so far, like it's very, very early, obviously. Even, you know, Zach Collins with a home run the other day. But Yermin is really doing it uh, at on, you know, both sides here. He's doing it at the plate and behind the plate for his pitching staff. And so far, so good here. Uh, for your mean in terms of winning this backup catcher's role?
1: Uh, I produced the Lawrence Holmes show. You know that, but I don't know if some people do. One of the lines he uses a lot is lift as you climb. And it's a age-old thing about, you know, you're going someplace. Don't kick that ladder that you climb to get to the place you got. Reach back and reach for some people who are trying to get to the level that you are. And so it's really, really good to see that Lucas Gilito's is working with all these catchers. Like he started a game with having Luke Roy being his catcher and he really liked it. And it's a guy that you know I mean is not known for the glove. He's not known to be a catcher and Lucas Giolito as a ace of a staff and one of the best pitchers in the league. I don't care if MLB doesn't name him top 10, but he's top 10 in my book could be picky and say, you know, I want to pick to pitch to this veteran catcher. I need to get a rapport with the guy that I think is going to be the guy. But Lucas is like, you know, let's go. Let's let's battle with this guy. Let's have this guy behind the plate and I can throw to anybody. And he's lifting this player up who is not known for the glove up. So it's like, oh, man, he got faith in me to catch his his uh, day, his day that he needs to get work in. I really appreciate Lucas's sacrifice there as a leader to bring in another guy up to not just make that guy one-dimensional, just an offensive guy like so many of us White Sox have, and his career has shown as such. But, yeah, I'm glad for mean having this good success. It seems like all the backup catchers. Luke Roy's having a good time. Zach has found a nice stroke of a left-center field, and I don't know how he's doing behind the plate, but all reports are he's doing well. And now means doing it with the bat, as we know, and he can catch a Lucas Giolito game where he gives up nothing. So, it's very, very, very encouraging to see that we have competition. I think that Luke Croy ultimately will be the backup catcher, but it's good to have this healthy competition. Lift as you climb and all uh what is it, the uh the about the boats. Uh, yeah, I was
2: just gonna say the rising tide raises all boats. So yeah. when you when you have this competition going, everyone steps up their, their level of play just a little bit. And you you hope that that seems like it's spreading throughout the whole entire locker room here, and it's something we haven't seen. In years quite frankly with the White Sox where everyone is trying to make each other better and yeah there's competition but it's there's, it's there's no bad blood so far and the, the, there's a good mix of players and like it's, it's fun to watch like and it's fun finally now that we're on the other side of this rebuild thing and we have World Series expectations we don't have to worry about so many positions and so many battles and that's you know positions that ultimately don't matter because you know the talent isn't there so now you can really zero in on these things like the backup catcher which I enjoy. You know, it 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 makes it easier to watch when you don't have to focus in on so many things because you know they they have established veterans on the team. Like T.A. is going to hit no matter what, like when he comes out of spring. It's fun to watch Luis Robert hit a little bit. Moncada's hitting so far, so that's a good sign. But overall, you're not really overly over the moon. Like Tony La Russa said, you don't fall in or out of love with these guys during spring. But it's just fun to watch these guys compete. And it, I, I really enjoy, set, you know, really focusing in on this one spot here because it's going to be an important spot this year. And they're allowing these guys to even be part of the game plan. And they're basically giving them the keys of the Lamborghini, as you know, Jonathan Lucroy said. And it showed today. Lucas Giolito looks like he's more than ready to go. Uh, mm-hmm. He goes three innings, pitch just give, uh, gives up one walk and two strikeouts. Uh, you saw the clips of him. He was just he he was filthy today. I think he already made pitching ninja uh, t- today. So you should check that out. But Lucas looked great today.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. His uh, his pitches, his stuff looks really good. I was taking on uh, his. Actualities the other day after a Zoom call, and he says that pretty much his stuff is finished. He has the stuff that he needs. He understands that his stuff is electric. What he's working on now is command. Like he's like my fastball is where it is. I'm just trying to put it in a pinpoint spot where I want it to be, and when I need it there to be. And that's what he's working on. I think I saw a 12 to 6 curveball that was knee buckling. It was not fair. It was it was it was out there, and think about that he's working with a guy that probably hasn't worked with a lot and he's like you know I'm throwing my thing I'm gonna do my thing out here these Rockies can't mess with me I saw it was at Hampson he pitched the ball to him on the outside 96 on the black and he was like what what can I do to that (laughs) what can I do to that you know it's like that's unfair I know this is spring training but you know you can't have this up against me this is ridiculous come on Shouldn't call that a strike at all.
2: Yeah, you got guys out there trying to like fight fighting for their jobs out there, and here's Lucas Giolito just making them look silly. You know, when when guys on the big league roster couldn't handle that, they said during the broadcast today, Chuck Garfine and Rich King saying that Lucas Giolito is working on a new pitch called his Downer, where it's basically a picture of the same fastball. Uh, high in the zone, but then mm-hmm. tailing off a little bit and dropping down at the last second. There, you know, uh, almost miss a, l- miss a barrel. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know how I feel about that because, like, his thing, his his rise to prominence was like the absence of the drop. It's like the fastball that seems like it's it's tailing upward, but or but really it's just staying on the same plane but high. So I don't know how I feel about that, but maybe it's just an adjustment where. You guys know what the Lucas Giolito fastball is. It's not overwhelmingly like powerful in terms of velocity, but when you have it high in the zone, it's very hard to hit. But I'm wondering if, if there's sort of – it certainly doesn't seem like there's a, a game plan going against him because his last game of, of the year that he pitched, he dominated in Oakland. But he's just trying to make himself better, and how do you not love that? And that's the type of stuff right there that I could easily like buy shares of Lucas Gilito winning the Cy Young this year, especially uh, if the White Sox win the division. But uh, – Yeah,
1: working at your cap is always good, but the only thing I don't like about a downer instead of the rising fastball, the seemingly rising fastball that he throws is that the swing plane of hitters nowadays, it's up, it's a little upper trajectory. So, yeah, you would think that having a difference out there like going down would be better, you know, just to play off your, your rising fastball, but I'm thinking of guys just, you know, Hitting the ball in their natural in their natural plane and hitting it harder, you would think you would induce more ground balls because they're missing the middle of the barrel. but if they're going low to up, that's not an advantage. I hope and this is what I hope that uh, the, the uh, broadcasters were spreading this for is that he, he just puts another seed of doubt in the hitter's mind. Oh, he's working on another pitch. That's what I heard about when I heard about uh Luke uh, was at you Darvish last year. It's like I got 12 pitches, right? You don't have 12 pitches He has five in variations of those pitches, maybe. But, you know, putting that into a hitter's head that that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, it just messes them up. It's like, oh, my God, he's got another pitch. I i, I got the book on him last year. I fastballs up curveballs sliders. I, I got him change up. And now he's got another fastball. Damn it. I got another I got to think about something else, you know, putting it out in the atmosphere just so people can consume it. And then they're up, up at the plate and they're like, oh, fuck, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm screwed today.
2: Yeah, it's funny because I think it's one of those things he's gonna have to show it. Like it's not, you know, the league's not gonna hear about it because Garfine mentioned it on a broadcast, and we're talking about it here. Um, but he is gonna have to show it. I'm thinking maybe you know, show it early in the count, and then they have that in the back of their mind, and then you you go with your your old tried and true uh, high fastball to put hitters away. But even, even so, it's exciting, and it's one of the things to watch. I didn't see much of it today. Um, I wasn't watching like you know with with a uh, magnifying glass by any means. You know I just kind of had baseball on as my uh, as my spring companion down here in the basement today as I was doing some work around the house. But I'd like to hear Lucas talk a little bit more about this downer pitch that he's working on uh, as the season progresses because he didn't mention it in the post game. So I don't I don't think he, he showcased it a lot. But uh, fun stuff right there with Lucas Giolito. We're gonna take a quick timeout here. We'll be back on Lockdown White Sox and we'll open up the mailbag. Stay right here. It's Lockdown White Sox. Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Locked on White Sox is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football is over, but college hoops and the NHL and NBA are all in full swing, and BetOnline even covers award shows, TV shows, and reality TV. The odds are updated in real time, and there's props on almost anything you can imagine. Herb, you know, we're going to do our preview show where we where we go over win totals and, and who's going to win divisions, pennants, and the World Series here uh, in baseball. But before we get to that show, like sort of what's keeping you uh, busy here uh, in the off season, so to speak, in terms of things that you're looking at at BetOnline.ag. Well,
1: at BetOnline.ag, I'm seeing we just talked about the guy, and we all talk about him all year long. His name is Lucas Giolito, and if you go to BetOnline.ag right now for Lucas Lucas Giolito, <laughs> Lucas Giolito to get the Cy Young, it's plus four fifty. So that is, you bet hundred dollars, you're gonna win four hundred fifty dollars if Lucas Giolito wins the Cy Young this year. He had the second most, uh, second best odds, even in front of the winner last year, Shane Bieber, who's at plus five hundred. The only guy with mo- better odds right now is Garrett Cole at plus 425 so I think that's a good deal to put it down a hundred dollars or so for Lucas Giolito to win this Cy Young we know that he's great and he takes the next step this year for a championship contending White Sox team so that's what I'm looking at Chris
2: well, BetOnline's got you covered no matter what you're looking at. you got all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best place to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts, and don't forget our promo code LOCKEDON when you sign up for that welcome bonus. Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill, we're back here on Locked on White Sox. And folks, we're covering everything you need to know about the Sox, but what about the rest of sports? Now, the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe today to the Locked On Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we have time for a quick mail back here, Herbie. Shall we open it up? Let's do it. A lot of emails we're going to try to get to some.
0: There's another email. email. I love email.
2: I love email. I love voicemails. If you missed our first segment, I don't know who listens to a podcast and just goes to segment two. I don't know. Maybe they love the mailbag <laughs> so much, but uh, you can email us, lockedonsocks at gmail.com, or hit us up on our new Locked On Socks voicemail, which is 312 566 8727. That's 312 566 8727. If you want to hear your own voice on the show, Just drop them in there and then I'll drop them in on the podcast and maybe we'll even go through some of them uh, live as we're recording so we get the full effect. But uh, first email coming in here is from, I love when the old heads check in. Chuck from Buena Park is in the house today and uh, he says this. He's following up about our our beer episode. Uh, He says, Hi, Tanny and Herb. Always enjoy your podcast and thoroughly enjoyed your commentary regarding the rather dubious report from the New Jersey uh, uh, gambling site on ballpark alcoholic consumption and its recognition of the White Sox fandom alleged number one ranking. As a cantankerous old baby boomer, generally dismissive of those under 50, I will honor and praise Gen X and all the following generations for the craft beer revolution. Before the 1980s, all beer sold at U.S. ballparks, taste-wise, ranked from bad to worse. It largely consisted of the same alcoholic light pilsnery garbage whose only saving attribute was that it was cold and alcoholic. Uh, Sounds like me. Uh, The alcoholic content being a vital component, allowing fans to endure 70s White Sox baseball when matched the beer rare exception uh, of Dick Allen, Wilbur Wood, and the 77 Southside hitmen. Um, you will thankfully never know the horror of going to a Sox game and having to, he says, quaff. Uh, but isn't quaff your hair? Uh, is it, I don't know if he's going. It mean,
1: might be an older word. Uh, yeah, quaff things to grab it. Yeah, you
2: know? I'll, I'll I'll look it up after, but I'll, I'll trust uh, Chuck here. Uh, you, you you won't know what it's like having to quaff only staff beer. The company made a deal with Vec in an attempt to popularize it in the Chicago area in the '70s. Harry Carey tried his best. For one, maybe two seasons, uh, his his radio pitch was that any tavern, not individuals, as he repeatedly told his audience, could call a certain telephone number and have a couple of cases delivered to their door. This was a huge deal 50 years before DoorDash and Uber Eats. Even Harry Carey could not sell the stuff, and the partnership quickly ended. So I praise the generation that brought us craft beer revolution, except, of course, the peach and watermelon-infused garbage. Chuck finishes his email by saying, "Limit the use of your cursing and keep up the good work." Sorry, uh, Chuck. Can't do it. Yeah, I can't do it. Yeah, can't do it. Uh, but thank you, Chuck, for checking in. I, I love when the old school cats hit us up here and talk about uh, beer. Um, so, what's your guilty pleasure beer? Uh, be, be it ballpark or otherwise. I mean, it's not a guilty pleasure for you because I know it's one of your jams. Openly, so I mean, what are your favorite? What beer would, would that you drink would Chuck from Buena Park be like? Oh, come on, Herbie. I hold you in higher esteem than that.
1: Well, before I uh, got the diabetes uh, diagnosis, that um, beer—what is it? The Saturdays, Catterdays? What is it called? It's the—it's like the strawberry limey, really sugary sweet Na- beer. Natter Saturdays. Yeah. Like, yeah. Natty Lights or from Natty Lights. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I haven't drank one in a minute, like probably two summers. But man, I used to kill those things by like the twenty-two ounce. I think I went down to St. Louis met up with Ranji, me and uh, Courtney went down there and we killed like four or five of those at the game. It just goes down so smoothly in the summer. So Chuck would disown me. I mean he doesn't <laughs> own me right now. But Chuck would not like me as a uh, White Sox fan if uh he saw me drinking those. I was crushing them. It was just delicious. I I enjoy a delicious beer every once in a while. I'm not one of those guys like my beard has got to have bourbon and aged <laughs> in a barrel for seventy-eight months, and it's got to taste like a bitter paint, and it's got to sting the nostrils and go down a little hard and rough down the down the trachea. No, I'm not that guy. I like something good because it tastes good, and you know, the diabetes, you know, yeah, they go hand in hand.
2: Yeah, I hear that. I try not to. Yeah, I try to avoid some of that stuff. What, like one of my favorites was was the the watermelon sculpin from uh, ballast point back mm-hmm. in the day but that that abv is so high you can only do a couple of them but one of the great joys uh, in life uh, mm-hmm. would be going up to miller park which isn't it is it called like america park now or some some american
1: <laughs> family insurance park i believe
2: okay so, American Family <laughs> Insurance Park. Park. <laughs> yeah, um, well, I used to love going up there, and I think maybe I'll I'll do that because now that we're going to be opening up the world again, uh, heading up to, to that ballpark would be something I haven't done in a while anyway. And it just feels like the summer of good getting out and doing stuff. Uh, but enjoying a line in Kugel's Berryweiss up there, mm. something that just the way it just hits up there, north of the border, and you know having it with a brat, it just oh, it was, it was so delicious. But uh, when I'm at uh, guaranteed rate. I do enjoy the Boulevard Tropical Pale Ale. It's not particularly fruity, but it's just a a, a nice summer beer that you can drink. And, uh, and I think either of those would make uh, Chuck and Boyne Park really, really cringe at the sight of that. So uh, you know, maybe we'll have to disguise it in some other kind of cup or something like that if we ever see them.
0: Officially
1: known as American Family Field. Okay. They took the insurance off the back part of it.
2: Okay. Uh, But, yeah, so thank you, Chuck, for checking in. Uh, We don't have time for many today. We're going to move, like, this thing moves so fast, man. We spent, like, so much time talking about the the spring games this weekend. But we'll be back, and uh, I want to play for you guys what Steve Stone said about the White Sox bullpen. Pretty lofty comparisons here. Keep it right here on Locked On White Sox. Locked On White Sox is also brought to you by Built Bar. We've been telling you guys about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market, for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein protein bar with 100% chocolate. On all bars And I just ordered my latest order Last weekend I'm hoping it arrives here by Wednesday Because I start to get the cravings for sugar again And I'm trying to get rid of those But Built Bar helps when I have them I ordered 24 Built Bars I ordered 4 packs of 6 My old fail safe coconut And I'm trying out 2 new flavors to me Cookies and cream and mint brownie And also I ordered German chocolate cake That's one of my favorite things in the world And they managed to replicate the taste of that Just enough to keep me satisfied From my sweet cravings And so far, it's working pretty well for me. I'm down a few pounds, and I have Built Bar to thank for that for substituting what I would normally have, cookies or cake or candy. I switch those out for Built Bar after dinner at night and sometimes in the afternoon at work and boom, uh, the, the cravings are almost gone, and now I just like Built Bars because they're delicious and they keep me full so go to BuiltBar.com or follow them on Twitter at Built_Bar, underscore Bar, and they've got builtbar Bar Madness going on, you can vote for your favorite flavors, and you can use our promo code LOCKEDON20, got a new promo code it's different than the last one, LOCKEDON20 to get 20% off your next order that's LOCKEDON20 for 20% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. and check back with us to see who won today's matchup, and who will become the best tasting protein bar. Join walking baseball encyclopedia Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call him Sully every day on Lockdown MLB for a unique look at the majors both past and present. Featuring exciting guest interviews, routine check-ins from the Lockdown MLB Networks team of local experts like Herb and I, and insightful analysis on the day's biggest stories. Lockdown MLB is the single best source for daily baseball talk. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. Alright, time to pay off this tease. Steve Stone, appears on 670 The Score basically once a week during the regular season. We we alternate, we, we share him because uh, he, he, is, he is too fine of a man to, to be tied down to one show. So we share him on The Score, and I always enjoy listening to him no matter what show he's on. Uh, he'll be on all the shows this year. And Friday, this past Friday, he was on with Mullion and... Hall. Hall, uh, Mike Mulligan and David Ha, our morning show on the score, and I, I enjoy our partnership with uh, with Entercom here because now we can open up the audio vaults a little bit. I've done it in the past, but I try to stay away. But here's what Steve Stone said about the White Sox bullpen, and just I was I was you know I just dropped my daughter off from school, and I was listening to Stony say this, and man, it's hard to not get excited about this team, and in particular the bullpen here's what he had to say about the Sox bullpen
0: well it certainly is an embarrassment of riches and you know in in boxing what they say david is that everybody has a game plan until they get punched in the face (laughs) and you can have defined roles uh roles are defined and that's terrific but i do remember a guy that people in chicago are very familiar with a guy who won uh, the occasional world series his name was chuck tanner and i remember some of the younger pitchers going up to him and said uh, and bear in mind, this was in the this was in the early seventies. They said, "Well, what's my role?" And he would take their glove. He would put a baseball in it, and he'd say, "Son, your role is when I give you the ball, you get people out. That's your role." <laughs> and I think that's what's going to happen this year. Uh, look, Hendricks is going to be at the end. You're going to have those bridge guys. Aaron Bummer is one of those guys. And please don't forget Garrett Garrett Crochet because right. the man's unhittable. I mean, he has electric stuff that he's going to use this year and just baffle hitters. Imagine if you're an opposing hitter thinking about getting into a bullpen, maybe the sixth, the seventh inning, whatever, sometimes the eighth. And you're going to see Kopek and Crochet coming out as a lefty-righty fireball duo. It's not going to be real comfortable. Then you add in Aaron Bummer, who's got as good a stuff as you'll ever find. Um, you take Marshall, you take Foster, you take each and every one of those guys that will come into the ball game. Each one throws harder than the next. Um, each one has uh, has stuff that only people aspire to. Most people will never get there. And then it's the utilization of those guys. So as far as roles, look, Hendricks is going to close games. But if he's uh, if he's in need of a day off, you're going to have bummer being able to close games. And eventually I think Crochet is going to be able to close games. I don't know if his destiny is in the bullpen. If it is, I mean, he's, he's a rolled as Chapman. That's what you're looking at, a guy with good control, can throw the ball you know, in triple digits consistently with a great hard slider. Um, you know, We like to compare certain guys to other guys because you see success out of the bullpen. You say, well, he's exactly like that guy. If you're looking at this bullpen and you have all of these weapons at your disposal, you'll realize, like those great Kansas City teams, if you didn't have the lead after six innings, you lost the game. We're going to get to the point where if teams don't have the lead against the White Sox after six, they can phone it in, pack it up, go home, nice talking to you, see you tomorrow. That's what it's going to be because the arms in this bullpen, and I'm not going to tell you they're going to be as good as those Kansas City teams. I will tell you the arms in this bullpen are better than the arms in those Kansas City bullpens when they were winning their championships. So um, we're going to find the usage being very important, but it's going to uh, electricity-wise, it's going to uh, it's going to devastate a whole lot of teams. I think collectively they'll be the best bullpen in baseball. And we'll have to see. Now they have to go out and prove it. Just, you know, for a guy like Steve Stone
2: who's been around as long as he has, he knows the danger sometimes in throwing out – uh, you know, lofty comparison, especially to a young team. But to hear him say that ab- about our guys in the Sox bullpen, am I wrong for wanting you know uh to Lucas Giolito to go out there and just throw one inning <laughs> on opening opening night to just have the bullpen come in, just so I could see all these guys come in back to back to back to back. It's exciting stuff, man. I mean, crochet to Aroldis Chapman and then the bullpen as a whole being comp to that great Royals bullpen in 2015 when the when they won the World Series. Amazing, Something better. It's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing to think about.
1: It is. It's so good uh, to have that uh, that luxury. We know that, you know, bullpens usually are volatile from time to time. But it seems like the Sox in this regard have tried to go above and beyond uh, that from failing. So even if a guy is having a bad year like Cordero had a off year last year, they could go to somebody else. Evan Marshall was just filthy last year, and we're looking for him to take the next step, and we barely talk about him. Barely. Think about we, how much we talk about Garrett Crochet being compared to Aroldis Chapman, and I think a better pitcher is Aaron Bummer. We got that dude, and we barely talk about him, and he's like the third guy we talk about. It's so amazing to have so many great, pretty much homegrown arms in the bullpen just killing for the White Sox Hoyer we saw him the other day filthy the man is just came out of nowhere for me and I would have been fine I know we talked about it I wouldn't have preferred for the White Sox to just come back with one of the young homegrown talents to be the closer but I think me and you were like that guy if anybody has it That Hoyer guy is filthy, he's nasty, and he can assume that role. That guy probably will be in high leverage situations this year again, but not the closer. You know what I mean? That's so great. And we haven't even talked about Liam Hendricks, the best reliever in the game, recognized by most people that way. Like, there's very few, like, question marks. The question marks for me is Michael Kopech. It's the weirdest part of the world. Yep. He might be the best pitcher when it's all said and done on the White Sox staff. And that's my question, Mark, about him because of injury, because of the new role and all those things. And maybe not being used because the starters are so well. And then once they get out of the game, the high leverage guys are in. So, man, it's a luxury that we haven't had as White Sox fans in a long time. Even the 2005 team was great. Never was. I was like, man, we're good. You know, they're getting the ball to Neil Kotz, Hey, we're good. You know, leading up to 2005, I thought he was good. Same thing with Cliff Fleet. Those guys were otherworldly that year. And I think this team and this bullpen will be even better than that bullpen.
2: Yeah, man. You mentioned Cody Hoyer and he came in like or very early in spring and said he just has this massive chip on his shoulder because he had such a stellar year him and Matt Foster came you know basically out of you know they were unknowns to to most of us when they hit the scene and Cody Hoyer had that difficult outing to end the season in Oakland and he said he's using that as motivation for the entire year, and just you know, I didn't hear him speak. I don't think at all last year, uh, and you know, to, to you know, hearing him finally speak, it sort of it makes sense now how a, a guy who doesn't look necessarily intimidating on the mound, but he's a confident kid, and now he's coming in with a chip on his shoulder. Like there's so many guys to be excited about, and I just I just can't wait to see them. We're gonna have a lot of fun talking about the offense and the rotation, but the bullpen just being used as a weapon, like the the spontaneity. But well, seemingly to us watching the game, it'll be you know spontaneous. But just the thrill of seeing who's coming in and what spot, and knowing that Tony La Russa and Ethan Katz—they're going to collaborate before the game and talk about potential matchups and being able to deploy those assets uh, during high leverage points in the game. Like it's 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 tough to not get excited about that. So I, I wanted to share that with you guys, and so you can hear how. It's not just us. It's you know respected baseball people like Steve Stone are excited as well. So uh, that does it for us here Uh, tomorrow on Locked On White Sox. We're going to break down this World Series preview here uh, between the Sox and the Dodgers. They 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 square off today, uh, two o'clock central. Uh, I'm not sure if that one's televised or not. Hopefully it is, but uh, they've been doing these games on YouTube, so you guys hopefully can check it out, and we'll talk about anything of note that came out of that game. Also, we'll talk about what a uh, Sox player wants to do uh, just only one time before his career ends. Uh, It has something to do with one of those guys in the bullpen. But also later on this week, we're going to have the first of these AL Central Division preview episodes with Locked On cleveland okay so that's a fun week here and uh i think that'll be wednesday the preview episode with locked on cleveland but uh i hope you guys have a great week and that's all i got her
1: all right that's chris tannehill follow him at chris tannehill on twitter instagram the show locked on socks on locked on socks on twitter and me herb lawrence Ecknerwall 23 new this week and if you do well we'll keep this going throughout the game so we have a number you can call and use it as a voicemail. 312-566-8727. That's 312-566-8727. You see something. Middle of the day. Herb, Chris, man, I saw this. This is uh Steve from Joliet. I'm really pissed about this, or I'm really happy about this. Just leave a message of the the email you would have sent to Socks at gmail.com. Leave a message after a game where a team is... Killing the White Sox that you don't think the White Sox should be getting killed by, or you see the White Sox take two or three from the Minnesota Twins, and you're just hyped. You need to express that to somebody 312 566 8727. Still go to YouTube and subscribe there, hit the notifications bell. Sending out prize packs to people who are uh, subscribers there. Sorry about that, Chris. Sending out prize packs to people who are subscribers. So for Chris Tannehill. My name is Herb Lawrence. Thank you for listening to this episode of Locked On Socks.